0: Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I just want to start off today's episode with the simple truth that your life matters. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm fully dedicated to bringing you conversations and thoughts that challenge the narrative and challenge your thinking. Last week, I was scrolling through Instagram, and this video stopped me out of nowhere in my tracks. And the video was on a page called Goalcast, and it started off with Megyn Kelly and Larry King sharing one of the most amazing stories I've heard in my life. It literally brought me to tears. The stories of a young man who attempted suicide by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and miraculously survived with the help of a new friend. Well, today we have that young man who is with us, alive and well, and happily married with a bright future ahead of him. He is a best-selling author, speaker, filmmaker, and advocate, and most of all, a champion of life. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my interview with Mr. Kevin Hines. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. I'm just, I'm so pumped that you're here, man. Like, let's let's go. I'm excited.
1: I'm excited too. This is fantastic. It's, it's great to finally meet you. We've been conversating a couple of days over email, yeah. and now to be here with you, is fan, it's just wonderful. And I don't know if I'm a young man anymore. Some would say I might be a little middle aged at this point, but
0: you were nineteen nonetheless.
1: I was nineteen. You were na- yeah,
0: yeah, you were nineteen, so you were a young man then. You still look like a young man. You don't look a day over twenty three. Well, there it is. That, How old do that. I look? Uh, twenty seven. Ah, 23, man. Come on. I even threw you a (laughs) bone for that. (laughs) I I just want to start off. No, man. I just want to start off talking about what you're doing right now to highlight life after that attempt and the recovery (laughs) process. And just give people a little insight on like, if you're suicidal, and you're listening to this, there's so much to live for. Like, there's so much that God can do in your life. And... We'll get into your story and I might need some tissues, but I want to start by talking about what you're doing right now in 2020. We're at the tail end of a pandemic, maybe gearing back up into quarantine. It's kind of uncertain. Um, What do you have going on right now?
1: Well, I think before I say what I have going on right now, I'll say this about people who are living with suicidal ideation right now in this pandemic. More people. It's going to look like in the next couple of years, we're going to find out that more people died during the pandemic. By suicide than than by COVID, uh, f- far more people. It's happening in Japan right now. Um, in, in Japan, uh, the number of suicides in one month of October far exceeded all deaths by COVID in Japan in the entire year. Wow. So let's just paint that picture right now. People are struggling. People are in pain, uh, and they're worried about their well-being. They're losing yeah. their jobs. They have no feasible legal income. They're hustling to survive. That they can't eat, and when they can't eat, they're, they're, they're losing their minds, and they're taking their lives mm. all over the world. So let's just start there. To those people who are considering suicide, we love you. You're valued. You matter. Suicide does not have to be the answer to your problems. In fact, it is the problem. And I, I, I believe get, being a person who lives with regular thoughts of ending my life and being a person who lives with a severe diagnosis of bipolar with psychotic features, meaning I see and hear things that don't exist to anyone but me. And I, I have paranoid delusions and manic highs that crash into depressive lows. Uh, Sometimes all these things happening at the same time. I have learned a lot over the last 20 years about survival. Mm. You know, it's been 20 years since my attempt off the Golden Gate Bridge, a way that is 98% fatal, used to be 99% fatal. Now it's 98% fatal. 39 people have survived that fall in 80 years. Of those 39 individuals, 26 are alive today, many have died of natural causes. Of those 26 are alive today, 19 have come forward just like myself to say the moment their hands left the rail, they had an instantaneous regret from their actions, meaning that they recognized in that moment that where they thought it was too late that their thoughts did not have to become their actions. Mm. Um, and, and, and only five of us survivors get the privilege to stand, walk, and run today. They call us the most exclusive Survivors Club in the world. It's a book of the same name by Ben Sherwood. And my point to you is this. I get to be here today. It's a privilege and a gift. And I'm not going to squander that um, by sitting around eating potato chips, playing video games all day. I'm gonna do that sometimes, just not all the time. And, and what I, what I want to say to the people out there who are listening, who are watching, who are, who are going through hell is that this does not have to be the rest of your life. Hard work and hustle plus work ethic and and determination for your mental well being can lead you to a better path. It's been a long and arduous journey. I've been in nine psych ward stays in the last 14 years because of suicidal ideation, the last of which only being a year and a half ago. Um, And yet I make it, I make a commitment, a commitment to life. I've committed to life that I'll never die with my hands. No matter the pain I'm in, I will survive the pain at all costs. Pain can do one of two things to us. It can destroy us where it can build us brick by brick from the ground up to be more resilient than ever before. Gratitude and resilience are two of the most protective factors from suicide. And they're two of the greatest things our youth are lacking. They're lacking in gratitude for what they've been given and they're lacking in resilience because they've never been taught how to be tough. And, and it's not about tough love per se, but it's about recognizing that when someone bullies you online and puts your, puts your information on blast that for the longevity of your life, because you, you could you're gonna be 80 years, one, 80 years old one day, if, if God willing, for the longevity of your life, that that post online and the people who tagged on it, the people who posted on it, and the and the ridicule you got is not going to matter when you're 35, 45, 55, or 85. And so it's not gonna equate in your life. It's not gonna, it's not gonna have a a, a, a factor in your well being. But if you allow it to when you're a child, when you're a youth, because you're you're fearful of losing friends or you're fearful of being ostracized or alienated, you know, it's about growing from that. I was heavily bullied in grade school and high school. I'm talking about beaten up, pushed to the ground, head bleeding. You know, I got got the gamut of it, you know, the name calling, you know, they call me Little Red N-word every day because I was part black. It was awful. And, um, and it absolutely was a causative factor in my suicide attempts years later, but it didn't have to be. If I just had the knowledge that these words and those actions wouldn't affect me for the rest of my life, yes, they would play a role, but they wouldn't m- matter as much as say meeting my lovely wife, Margaret, who you talked to on the phone before this, mm-hmm. for this call or, or via email, you know, uh, having my dad be the best man at my wedding and there was no other choice, even though we had a rocky relationship and we fixed that, you know? So you've got to think about all the things that would have or could have been before you try to take your life. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you think about it, um, I look back at my life and I think, what are the things I would have missed? Would have missed marrying the love of my life, my best dad being my best man, having a dog named Max, who was the best damn dog in the world. He was like a person. (laughs) You know, and he, he became my emotional support animal when I, he would fly with me to gigs on the plane. Amazing. And, and you know, being there for the birth of my two godchildren, nothing better than that. I would have missed all of it had I died. And I would have missed all of it had I attempted again and taken my life. Hmm.
0: Dude, that's so deep. And when it comes down to it, so many people are struggling with suicidal ideation, especially like you said, during this pandemic. There's not a lot of attention going there either. Um, The media is not really covering it. And I don't want to get into like the whole fake news narrative. That's not where I'm going with this. It's there. It's not getting any attention. You have, of course, the suicide hotline and heart support beneath the skin, Anthem of Hope, Death to Life, all these amazing organizations that are helping paint the picture. But why do you feel like it's not like widely accepted in the mainstream yet the talk about this thing as an actual epidemic.
1: You know, it's interesting before the pandemic uh, suicide was being talked about in the media more than ever before. So last, so if you look at it from the last 20 years, I've I've been working in the field for 20 years of suicide prevention since my attempt, seven months after my attempt, I did my first presentation on my story. All right. Uh, And, and back then nobody was talking about it on on, on the media. And if they were, they're doing a terrible job and they're sensationalizing everything. But Fast forward 20 years pre pandemic and it's being, it's what it it was one of the most talked about things in the country. As a matter of fact, the, whether you like him or don't like him, the the president, uh, president Trump talked about suicide a lot. He was very open and honest about it. He actually had a suicide prevention task force that was very active. He was one of the first presidents to be that vocal about it, which is phenomenal. Whatever you feel about him, doesn't matter. That's not the point. And, and and it was getting some massive attention. You know, CNN did a piece with me uh, called "Champions of Change," and with Sanjay Gupta, and 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 people were talking about it on a regular basis in, in a way that was educational and, and helpful. Um, and then the pandemic hit, and all the media went that way. And and and, and 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 that makes sense. I get that. You know, you know, for the numbers of number of people that were dying, but more people are dying. Die, more people died. It, we will find out, and I, I can almost guarantee you, that more people will have died in the, in the, in the eight-month COVID crisis by suicide, far more people by suicide than COVID ever killed in yeah. those eight months uh, s- since, what, February or March?
0: Yeah, um, March, yeah.
1: Yeah, March. So so we're going to learn that the suicide rates skyrocketed, um, and, 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 and it's going to be horrendous. And the mental health crisis rates skyrocketed. People's mental health is waning because of their fears of their situation. Yeah. Uh, their situations are being obliterated. Their their restaurants are being closed. Their shops are being closed. They're going bankrupt. They can't feed themselves. You know, this pandemic not to get not to get political or anything. But this pandemic has crushed the souls of Americans all over the country and people all over the world. Uh, and, and and you know to have gainful employment right now is a very difficult thing and, and a select few people have it. And it's, 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 uh, the rest of us are devastated and, 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 and you know, it, it's, what do you do to save a nation that can't even save themselves, a you know, a cup of soup? Yeah. What do you do? How do you tell that person that their life is worth living? Yeah. You know, it is, I guarantee you it is, I know from personal experience, I know that you know I was born in poverty, my birth parents were on drugs and alcohol, I was taken away and put in foster care. You know, my brother died. You know, it, it's not been easy for me or my family. You know, I got lucky and got adopted by a beautiful family. They are my mom and dad, they are my family. They are, they, they they gave me the greatest gift of any, any anybody ever could, a, a life worth living and an opportunity and possibility. And 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 growing up was a beautiful thing until my my mind broke down and my mental stability waned and I fell apart completely in front of 1,200 people at a a play I was in at Reardon high school. And it all came crashing down and it took me the better part of eight years to recover. Mm -hmm. But here we are today during COVID times. And what I will say to your audience is, 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 you must keep on, keep it on. You must fight to be here tomorrow and every day after that, because you, you do hold value. And yeah. and when you when you consider suicide, you have to remember that pain is inevitable. Yeah. It's coming for all of us if it hasn't already. But suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a minute. If we every every clinician I've ever dealt with told me to my face, Kevin, you're suffering from bipolar disorder. It was a narrative they implanted in my brain. And then I went out and I told people that I was suffering from bipolar disorder. I adopted that narrative because I didn't know any better. But that narrative makes me the victim of my story. I have since rejected that narrative. I am not suffering. I've never suffered a day in my life. I've been in pain since the day I was born in squalor in a crack motel, but never suffered a day in my life. I've been given the gift of a second chance at it, and I intend to thrive. Mm.
0: So I want to get into what happened on September 24th, 2000. Can you set the stage for what did it look like when you woke up that morning? You talked to your dad, like what's that story look like?
1: Well, uh, September 24th was the night before. Okay. And, and I, I was feverishly writing a note in my notebook, my, my, my suicide note, frankly, which only 20% of civilians actually write who die by suicide. I'm writing this note and I say, Mom, I love you, but you're not always right. Dad, I love you, but stop bringing the office home. This isn't work. I said to my little brother who wanted to be nothing more than the greatest DJ on the West Coast would be a household name. I said to my sister who wanted to make films, go get this. You got it. And I said to my best friend, you'll find another best friend, which is not how it works. Mm. I put that note in my shoulder bag and that shoulder bag by the door. And um, at six in the morning, I entered my father's room on the 25th of September 2000. I, I, I startled him awake. He looked at me, he said, Kevin, what's wrong? And he had known of my erratic behavior. He knew I was unwell. He was on the phone with my psychiatrist every day. He was terribly worried about me, but he didn't know exactly why. He had never been faced with this kind of thing before. And nobody taught Patrick Hines suicide prevention, which is not his fault. And so the questions he asked, I, I, I was hearing voices in my head telling me how to die. And the voices were winning. They were taking over. And when he said, Are you, what's wrong? I said, nothing, dad. I just wanted to tell you that I love you. And in my mind, it was for the very last time. So I love you too, Kev. But at six in the morning, I don't have to be working until nine and go back to bed put his mask back on his breathing sleep apnea and he fell soundly asleep as quickly as he'd awoken. And I walked around to the other side of the bed and I sat on the carpet of floor and I rocked my body back and forth in tears, begging myself, begging myself to tell him the truth. But the voices were just too overwhelming. You see, I was not yet ambivalent. I could only see death. I could only feel pain. And I wanted that pain to stop. I wasn't being selfish. To be selfish, you, need to know, you have to know you're hurting someone. I didn't think of anybody else because I couldn't. My brain was so overwhelmed. And it took me that day on a couple of a train ride and a bus ride to the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'll never forget walking the length of the bridge up and down for 40 minutes, crying, hoping, wishing and praying that one person would see me and say, hey kid, are you okay? Brother, something wrong, a pal, can I help you? I would have told that person everything and begged them to save me. I couldn't tell my father that morning, but I desperately wanted someone to see my pain that day. But I couldn't say it outwardly. I couldn't start the conversation. I needed someone to, to probe and no one did. And I got to a particular light rail and a woman approached and she said, will you take my picture? I thought, you've got to be kidding me. How can you not see the pain in my eyes? Waterfalls are flowing down my eyes. And, uh, you know, she she got her pictures taken and she walked away. And I thought, absolutely nobody cares. Which was the furthest thing from the truth. Everybody cared. Literally everybody. My acquaintances would have been there to rip me from that realm of safety because how much they cared. My brain was trying to kill me as I desperately tried to cling to life. And that day, at that moment, when she walked away, I jumped. The voice in my head said, jump now, and I did. But that is not the important part of this story. The millisecond my hands left the rail, instantaneous regret for my actions because I recognized my thoughts did not have to become them. But I thought it was too late. In the water, a sea lion came to my aid and kept me afloat until the Coast Guard boat arrived. A sea lion. I mean, it, it, was, it was absolutely miraculous. Um, a, a man named Morgan McWard took pictures of this, this creature circling beneath me. You can see it in all the pictures. It's fascinating. And it, that is the only reason I stayed above water because I was drowning before that sea lion came to my aid. I couldn't stay above water. I kept going down and that's when this thing kept circling me and bumping me up. I thought it was just shark. I was freaking out. I'm punching this thing. It won't go away. You know, but it's, it, it, it really, it's, it's amazing that I get to be here. And I think that it's a lesson to everyone who listens to this message is that don't learn the hard way. Like I did, it's not worth it. Don't learn the hard way. Like I did, you're worth it. You matter. You're supposed to be here until your natural end. I want your audience to think for a moment about every, about all the children who never make it past the womb. Mm. Okay. I don't, I don't know the statistics, but all the children, 30% of every first pregnancy ends in miscarriage, right? 30% of every first pregnancy ends in miscarriage. And that number is climbing, right? So think about all those children who never make it past the womb, my wife, Margaret, and I know that pain all too well. Our boy Jack Ryan lived eight weeks and no more. But he wasn't intended to be here in physical form. You all are. For the simple fact that I can see you through this lens and you're looking into my eyes, I know you're supposed to be here. Never to dab by your hands. It's not the answer. It's the problem.
0: Mm -hmm. And suicide is... Like we discuss, it's not talked about as much as COVID and all of these other things that people are struggling with right now. And you just wanted somebody to acknowledge your existence is what (sighs) blows my mind. And I've never been to the Golden Gate Bridge. The first time I'd ever heard about it being a suicide bridge or a lot of people try to take their life there. Um, I was speaking at a suicide survivors event two years ago. And a cop came up and he used to work on the force there. And it was totally just news to me. Like, I had never heard that before. I've yeah. never seen the bridge. I remember, isn't that the bridge in all the full house intros? Yeah. Yeah. It like, it's yeah. a world renowned bridge. So many people try to take their life. And yeah. Number, number one suicide spot in the world. Yeah. So, it, and even. The people on the bus were making fun of you as you were going to jump.
1: One man in particular. Yeah. So what the hell's wrong with that
0: kid? Yeah. And you were physically like... You, I was bawling obvi- like
1: a baby. I was bawling like a baby. I
0: was crying my eyes out. Yelling feel- aloud at voices I was hearing in my head. Do you feel like people have gotten a little more sympathetic nowadays? Now that suicide has been talked about more?
1: You know, I think that... Certainly, with COVID, more people understand what it's like to feel mentally unstable. Yeah, more people feel know what it feels like to be suicidal. Let me let me give you a perfect picture. So, my grandma, before she passed, she had uh, six mini strokes, and she called me to her bedroom in the hospital. And she she never understood why I did suicide prevention work. She didn't want me putting a black mark on the family. And this time, she calls me and she says, "I finally understand how you felt," because after those strokes, she felt like taking her life. And you know, devastating to hear that from your grandma. Um, but but to have her validate my pain for the first time ever was ground breaking for me and our, our relationship. You know, it moved me to tears. Yeah. And I think that I think that just like my grandma, more people are being sympathetic to people's pain and, and more importantly, empathetic to people's pain. They're putting themselves in other people's shoes and in doing so they're helping those those people find hope and that's 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 our journey you know you, you share through this podcast in many different ways how people can find hope and i share through my efforts speaking around the world the same thing you know we're we're trying to make a difference in people's lives we're trying to make waves in people's traumatic pain and helping them recognize that just because they've gone through trauma, it doesn't mean that, that trauma has to define them. They can break their narrative. They can shift the, the pendulum um, uh, and they can let that pain build them brick by brick from the ground up as opposed to destroying them. They can re- re- reject the, the I'm suffering narrative and maybe be the heroes of their own story. And that's really what I want to help people do. I want to help people be the heroes of their own story. I want to help them recognize their true power and that they've got this on lockdown and that suicide never has to be their answer.
0: Mm. And when you say uh, they're going to be the hero of their own story, you're actually turning this into a comic book.
1: Yeah, we are. Uh, We're we're creating a comic book called Hope Dealers. uh, And it's, it's, it's going to be about, be a a supernatural look in my life story. Um, It's, it's the, the first issue is done. Um, we're going to have probably a total of anywhere between 15 and 30 issues. And we're going to release it uh, on on Amazon. Um, so cool. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fantastic.
0: And you're super into superheroes. The one question I have is with you being such a fanatic, are you a DC or a Marvel guy?
1: You know, I'm an equal opportunist comic book fan. <laughs> and, and people don't like to hear that very often but I see value in both DC and Marvel and Dark Horse and Image and, and, and all the other comic book companies. Um, it, you know, COVID has been hell for the comic book industry. You know, all, all the, the, the main distributor of comic books, uh, got the, the physical distributor got shut down during COVID and my, all, all of my favorite comic book shops here in, here, here in Atlanta, uh, they all shut down, like mm. indefinitely. They're not opening again, they went out of business broke my heart. So now now we're all going digital and, and doing digital comics, but it's not the same as holding it in your hands. Mm. Um I have I have a massive comic book collection. Um I, I go through it almost every day. It's just something that brings me total joy. Um and, you know I used to draw comics as a kid. So I I, I I just love it.
0: So if someone is sitting in their rooms or in their car, maybe they're listening at work and they feel like they're holding the rails of that bridge. And they want to jump. What do you have to say to them?
1: It's what I said to everybody in this in this painful moment. Stop. Breathe. In the nose, four seconds, out the mouth, pursed lips like a whistle, but no sound for eight seconds. Do it 30 times. Focus and do it. Breathe. Bring your body and your mind to a calm. Second, don't go anywhere. Don't act on your your suicidal intent. Don't act on your suicidal ideation. Sit in a chair and breathe. Third, pick up the phone. Call your closest confidant, your closest loved one, your closest friend, or call someone from work, a colleague. Contact your local clergy. Contact someone who's of sound mind who can help recognize that you're going through it and you just need help. When you get them on the line, say four simple but effective words. I need help now. And then tell them you're suicidal. Tell them the truth. Don't move. Stay where you are and tell them the truth. Ask them to call crisis services for you. You can text. You can also, you could text the, CNQR to seven four one seven four one the crisis text line, which is an easy, they'll be with you in seconds, or you can call 1-800-273-TALK, plus one for military, they'll be with you in minutes or, 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 or a couple or, or a few minutes. So please don't allow your ideation to lead to action. Look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I'm amazing. I'm the greatest. I'm meant to be here until my natural end. Repeat those mantras to yourself until you are physically safe from the ideation. If these are chronic ideations that come to you every day, you need you need a larger amount of help. You need you need you need someone to be there for you on a regular basis. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. People have these thoughts all around the world. There's no shame in it. But but please beg, plead and ask for help until you get it. I have lived with these ideations for 20 years. I'm never gonna die that way. And every time I say I need help now, someone has been willing to help me. It hasn't always been the first person I ask, but if, if I really try hard, if I put in the work, someone's been able to help me. And that's the other thing, we're afraid to put in the work. We have to put in the work to be mentally stable. We have to wake up at the same time, go bed at the same time, eat healthy foods, nutritious foods, Exercise every day for physically capable. Use coping strategies and mechanisms. Use therapies that you can that you, that can help you. If you can't afford talk therapy, that's not the end all be all. There's music therapy, art therapy, blue wave light box technology therapy. All those are affordable and 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 mostly free to you. Use your common sense to stabilize. Please, I beg of you, go to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Kevin Hines. There are 400 videos all designed to help keep you here and change your life. Find them, use them, help them help you. There's a series in the playlist section of the YouTube channel called Series the Art of Wellness. 10 steps, 12 videos, three to five minutes each, easily digestible on how to balance your brain health. People are saying from as far as Peru, Africa, China, and Japan that these videos are saving and changing their lives. I don't own that. I don't take credit for it. I believe I'm a conduit to help people go home, do the work, and change and save their own lives. The Art of Wellness is yours. It's free. Take it. Please fight for your well-being. You are worth it
0: so good and we're going to put a link for that in the description below but Kevin thank you so much for joining and having this conversation today I mean you open up the door for another conversation that we're going to have to have on mindset and health and daily habits building those good habits but we'll save that for another time like I said we're going to put the description I'm ready for part two part two three and four let's get it next time it's going to be in person though Um, we're going to put that description or the link for that in the description as well you can find him on Instagram at kevin Hines' story kevin again thank you so much for this um i i know it brought me value i know it's going to bring everybody else value as well and you guys can come back next week for a mental health interview with miss jamie grace and we will talk to you next week